0: And Barnes, head right high! It's a
1: Wednesday, May 31st on the Just Baseball Show. It is the mailbag. I'm Ar- Ar- I'm Arm Leighton. I'm Peter Apple. That's Arm Layton. And the Just Baseball Show is brought to you by BetMGM. It's a big day for BetMGM because it is the last day in order to use code JBFANS. Wager $10 on any MLB money line and receive $100 in bonus bets. On this episode, we are going to be talking a lot about some bet MGM lines that you may want to sprinkle that $10 on because it is included in one of the questions of the mailbags. We want to thank you guys all again for leaving those questions, whether that be on our Instagram or on our Twitter arm. We have a lot of great questions, but what keeps blowing my mind is it does feel like the season just started. We, if this was 2020, we'd be getting ready for the playoff hunt. Like we're almost 60 games in. We're two months throughout the season. We're kind of getting close to that all-star break trade deadline stuff. So I almost feel that Memorial Day is a barometer for, all right, where does your team stack up right now? I feel like this is a pretty key point of the MLB season.
0: I think it's the range where you can start accepting the panic button. Like I, I, we've been in the early point where we get all the hysterical questions from fans, which is always great in terms of like, is my team cooked? Like, no, even the Padres like up to now, like it's getting there. But yeah, I feel like now we're about to hit that point where it's like, all right, now you really got to start slamming the panic button and and looking at at outside options. Also, I just wanted to to make a note. I think you accidentally said I'm Arm Layton because you wish you were me because the Heat are going to the NBA Finals. For those that are watching on YouTube, rocking my my Heat shirt here. Um, I won't go too deep into basketball. I won't talk about other sports, but I, I got to just mention the Miami Heat are going to the NBA Finals. You came over and watched it with me. I told you I will not watch it in a public setting. I refused. I refused to watch it with our resident Boston fan, Colby Olsen. Refused. It would be bad for our relationship. And uh, I should have because the heat made quick work of the Boston Celtics in game seven on the road. Uh, So very pumped about that. I don't even care what happens. Obviously, I want to win the finals, but like I just needed the heat to not lose to the Celtics in seven again with a historic collapse. I feel great now. It's a great day to talk baseball.
1: It's always fun to watch a game, uh, especially in a game seven setting with a fan of a team who's rooting for them because uh, I'm a Knicks fan and my Knicks got bounced by your Miami mm-hmm. heat. So I'm sitting there with no real rooting interest. Like I'm a New York sports fan. So I prefer the heat to win because I just don't like the Celtics, but that's more of my New York Knicks fandom. But I just wanted to see you happy. And I thought the funniest part of watching the game with you was when you were sitting on the couch and the heat have this 20 point lead through, you know, three and a half quarters were going down the other fourth quarter. I'm like, are we at least excited yet? Are we any sort oh. of comfortable? Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> not even 1%.
1: <laughs> I just wasn't miserable. That was
0: it. <laughs> it just wasn't miserable until literally like they took the starters out and put you know, Luke Cornette in or whoever the hell. And then now it's like, all right, we did this thing. Uh, so that was pretty cool.
1: That was our two-minute segment on the NBA. But, of course, this is the Just Baseball Show, and let's get into the mailbag. It's funny, though, Arm, there was a lot of questions of – should I hit the panic button on this team? Should I hit the panic button on this team? Like, where do you think we go from here? And we decided not to include any of those because I think we're going to make it in a full episode of like, should we press the panic button on this team and I, more talk about that? I so think we didn't we're still
0: choose... a week and a half, two weeks from, from exactly
1: that. like it's still a little bit early, yeah. like it's a good barometer to be like, all right, now is the time where in the next two weeks, if your team isn't performing, then take a look. But that's when we'll do it right after that uh, time. but. I wanted to start the podcast talking about Francisco Alvarez, but luckily one of the most asked questions for the mailbag was about Francisco Alvarez. So we'll start is Francisco Alvarez. The truth asked by Andrew Glav on Instagram as our prospect guy, I remember I think he was at number one at some points and you dropped him a little bit. You never really dropped him much, but there was just a couple guys who leapfrogged him within that top 10. It's it's so hard to rank these guys because you never really have a problem with any of them. It's just you base it on upside on floor and then they yeah. all just kind of merge together. Like, what have you seen so far from Francisco Alvarez That maybe you didn't expect when you were ranking prospects or did you expect this like break down kind of where he's been ranked in his progression so far?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think we had him as high as five early last year. And then, you know, when he got to triple, there was some swing and miss issues that, you know, were a little concerning, especially with fastballs up in the zone. That was something that I like was was really concerned about because he got to triple A and not concerned in the scheme of like this will forever be something that that kills him but it was something that's like okay let's give some pause here let's see you know how the hit tool translates because you, you you look at AAA strikeout rate was way up and and the whiff rates were, were pretty iffy uh especially in the zone gets up to the big leagues and and obviously if you are if you're struggling with high fastballs and you're chasing high fastballs the big leagues ain't the place for you because that is where there's more of them than anywhere else right you're going to see all of those high spin heaters at the top of the zone and, and alvarez kind of got eaten up by those um what we've seen now over the last handful of games and specifically you pull like a 10 game sample, it's a small sample, but he's gone absolutely nuts. And I think the thing that's most standing out to me is that Alvarez picked up on this. I'm sure the Mets have been working on him with it. And, and he's already made some changes that, you know, have have allowed him to not strike out as much to tap into this power and, and not expand the zone. You'll get the chase rate on four seam fastballs. In AAA, it was about 35%. Uh, you look at this night, like stint of 15 games that he's had at the big league level, it's well below uh, 20%. It's actually at 13%. So he's almost cut his chase rate on four-team fastballs by a third. When you do that, like that's a very tangible adjustment. There was never a doubt about the power. There was never a doubt about the ability to crush breaking balls. This was the one wart in his approach, and he's fixed it that quickly. Yeah, he sees the truth. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, if the league adjusts to him again, how he adjusts back. But this was the biggest Achilles heel and he's already fixing it. He's already answering it. And I think that's a testament to to him and, and the Mets working with him and giving him the opportunity to work through it.
1: The Mets have to be so damn excited right oh, now yeah. because not even mentioning Brett Beatty, not even mentioning Mark Vientos. Francisco Alvarez is a 21-year-old catcher. He could be a junior at LSU right now. Like that's the reality of it. That's how incredible what he's doing because he's got a 558 slugging percentage with an 885 OPS with 8 home runs in 104 ABs as a 21-year-old. Like Anthony Volpe, who, you know, they're often compared because they're the big time rookies that are coming up and, you know, the major areas like New York, Anthony Volpe for the Yankees, Francisco Alvarez, Alvarez has been better so far this season, I would say he's a catcher and he's younger than Anthony Volpe now long term. We have no idea. Anthony Volpe could be the next Derek Jeter, and Francisco Alvarez could be the Mike P- the next Mike Piazza, or both of them flame out. Like I remember, Gary Sanchez came up and looked like the truth, and then now he's well. I think he's he was off the Mets. He got resigned by what? Now he's Brewers with the
0: Padres. He got Padres or Padres. something like that.
1: Like. like, like that that's what happens. And there's also rookies who start out really slow and then hit another gear. Like I remember Adley Rutschman started slow when he came up initially with the Orioles, that slow streak lasted like a month and then he took charge, but it's so cool seeing a guy like Francisco Alvarez, who, when he had his short stint last year, you pointed to those problems and just the results, they weren't there at all. And Mets fans are like, Oh God, there's 20, but he's 20. Then this season gets off to a slightly slow start But if we just look at how he's done in April compared to May, in 36 ABs in April, 494 OPS, right? Those same problems were kind of there. He's slowly getting adjusted. He's still 21 years old. In the month of May, this has been one of baseball's best overall hitters, (laughs) regardless of position. Best overall hitters, hitting 309. Seven of his home runs have come in the last 68 ABs, and he has 1,088 OPS. He's just been incredible which is so huge for the Mets so huge
0: and you have the tangible adjustment which is a 10% cut in your chase rate overall and a monster cut in your chase rate against fastball so you can really see what's happening here and and that's exactly what he needed to do um and and to kind of tie into the prospect rankings things it's funny because like you have guys that in the short term you know come out to to great starts and we're like oh should we have ranked this guy ahead of that guy we're ranking them as prospects for the duration of their career. You know, who exactly. I think is going to have the the highest war when they hang it up. And yeah. so there's a lot of moving parts to that. Um, and, and the risk that was associated with Alvarez's profile was, was a little bit concerning, but for for him to have this learning curve so quickly, I think kind of shows you that maybe that risk uh, should have been hedged a little bit in the mind of evaluators, because this is a guy that is smart, willing to work and just a grinder. And the reason why, last thing I'll say is we gave, I, when I was talking about Volpe throughout this time, I, I've given Volpe the benefit of the doubt and I will continue to do so because I feel like his job was harder than any other job of any other rookie, which was be the youngest shortstop for the New York Yankees since Derek Cheater. That is a very encompassing job versus, you know, being a rookie a shortstop like Matt McClain, not to take anything away from him, he's been spectacular. Playing every day for the Cincinnati Reds with no expectations, a little different. Um, Volpe, it's a lot more pressures that come with it. Francisco Alvarez might be the first guy that rivals Volpe's level of responsibility, if not exceeds it. Catch Hall of Fame pitchers for a Mets team that is in the most win now mode and also produce offensively. He doesn't even have to produce that much offensively. And people would still be happy if he was league average and catching well. And he's been way better than that. If he if he maintains this, he's been the most impressive rookie in baseball. Obviously, he needs to do it longer because other guys have been, you know, enjoying their rookie season a little bit more, which comes with more ebbs and flows. But I think you got to look at Francisco Alvarez and say this is probably one of the most impressive rookie campaigns so far, if not the most, if he continues to do it.
1: And I think you're right on the sense of it is one of the most impressive rookie campaigns, because if you just look at the offensive numbers, he's up there. But defensively, he's been really impressing me, right? He's in the 84th percentile of framing metrics. So basically what that means is he is one of the best overall framers in Major League Baseball, according to Baseball Savant. And then you look at the arm, right? Controlling the base pass. He's in the 67th percentile of pop time. So we know he has the gun. And I'm not even looking right now at 21 years old about base stealing like How many runners is he throwing out? Like, I just want to know that the arms there because it's going to continue to develop. It is the framing's been there. And then, of course, you got a max exit velocity in the 90th percentile because he has hit a ball this season already 114 miles an hour as a 21 year old catcher. It does not get more impressive than Francisco Alvarez this month for the New York Mets. You mentioned Matt McLean. And the Reds are in an interesting spot. And which brings us to our next question. When does Ellie De La Cruz get called up? Does this have any effect on Jonathan India's status with the Reds? Asked by Red Shin 4 on Twitter. And I love this question. Not only because I get to hear you just talk about my favorite prospect maybe ever in Ellie De La Cruz. And I don't say that lightly because he just, he commands eyes like it's just amazing to watch this guy base play baseball and I want you to get into it too but another subset of this another storyline is Matt McClain has been unbelievable for the Cincinnati Reds talking about a rookie like just because we're praising Francisco Alvarez doesn't mean we're taking anything away from Matt McClain, who has been better than Anthony Volpe in a very short stint that's why it's so hard to speak in absolutes because it's so early with some of these guys but he has just hit the ground running. Then, of course, you have Jonathan India, right? You have a lot of other middle infielders in this farm system. You know, Noel v. Marte is another guy. And they're going to keep bringing up Jose Barrero, like, plays shortstop sometimes. So they just have a logjam of middle infielders. And they're about to call up one of the best middle infield prospects that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. Give us the timeline on Ellie right now and just... Just talk about how fast. He yeah,
0: is. <laughs> I mean, dude, he's he probably would have been up by now had he not been hurt to start the year. And I think that's that's the interesting thing is I see, like every time I tweet an Ellie De La Cruz highlight now, it's it's uh what is he going to come up? When's he going to come up? I, I I don't think the Reds are holding him down too long. I think we're getting there. We're a couple weeks away. Uh, But you remember, this guy got a late start to the season because of an injury, then was slow out of the gate. And, and it was a little bit rough and then finally got his footing under him. And now he's gone nuclear and he's been the best hitter in minor league baseball. It's, it's only been a couple of weeks of this or like a month of this. So like, I, I want to see, you know, him kind of just ride that high right into the big leagues. I think he's pretty much about to do that. I think a week or two when we can easily see him up there, I'm very fascinated to see what they're going to do. And, and I love that they called up McLean first. And I talked about this. I don't remember if it was on the call up or on here, but I I wanted them to call up McClain first one because he was playing out of this world. And uh, I think we were the only ones who had him on a top 100 list, but I, I wanted to see him get an audition at shortstop before they call up Ellie, because then McClain can kind of force their hand to, to maybe give Ellie some looks at third or give Ellie some looks somewhere else, or let's say McClain struggles, then you kind of know what you got there and you can put plug Ellie right into shortstop and not think twice about it at least played a little bit of third it's predominantly been shortstop because I think that's what they're looking at him as long term but if they want to bring him up and play third he could do that he's got one of the best arms in the minor leagues I think he'd be an elite defender at third base I think he could be a a decent to good defender at short elite defender at third base Um, and that left side of the infield would be unbelievable so I'm very interested to see what they're going to do McLean does come with versatility I saw him play third in the on the cape he hasn't played third professionally at all, though. It's only been second and short. So I think that's why people bring up the India question. But I, I don't think you have to just trade India. Again, you could just put Ellie De La Cruz at third base and it would be just fine. Um, so I'm gonna. I'm very interested to see how they handle it. I wouldn't trade India just to trade him, though. And I'm curious where, you're, where you stand on that, because there's a few reasons why I feel that way. Uh, but you know, this team's kind of building towards being decent in the next couple of years. And I don't think trading India is going to help you. And I do wonder what kind of return he really commands.
1: No, I totally agree with you. I'm just here thinking about what's going to be the opening day infield for them, Uh, because Jonathan India, again, is 26 years old. He's not this aging veteran that you kind of want to move Mm -hmm. off of. Maybe that's a Joey Votto, but Reds Mm -hmm. fans I know are never going to want to move off Joey Votto and for good reason. I'm just thinking about, like you mentioned, playing Ellie Daly Cruz at third, like Spencer Steer is having an incredible season, too, and he's been playing a lot of third base. You maybe move him over to first. You put Ellie at third and McLean at short and then India at second. Maybe do you keep Steer at third, then maybe move India to an outfield spot or a first base spot? What do you foresee the Reds infield looking like? Because I say 2024. But this problem might be here, and I say problem in the it's best way problem. possible, yeah. because yeah. you just have a bunch of really good young players. So, like, <clears throat> what do you think when Ellie does get called up? Because they're not moving McLean off short. But they might because it's Ellie De La Cruz. That's, that's like, thing. what do they do? I, I I, don't even have an answer. Like, yeah. I can give you what I would want, but that doesn't mean that's going to be the answer when Ellie gets called up.
0: Yeah, I would, I would like to see... Matt McClain stick it short for now. Like it's just like, how can you move him off with what he's doing right now? You can't. I don't think you can. And, and also it's like, you're not hurting Ellie de la Cruz at all by putting him at third. If anything, I think you're making him better because I think he will be elite there. Maybe literally. put him
1: on the mound.
0: <laughs> so you could throw Like 96. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just make him Otani. Like, yeah. I think you put him at third. I think you put McClain at short. You can listen on offers for India, but like, let's be real. that this, this outfield, like, China still is not that great and they somewhat need a DH like India could be that first base slash DH slash plug into second base from time to time slash whatever Um, you could experiment with him in the outfield. I think you could experiment with Spencer steer a little bit in the outfield. I just don't think that you should trade because you have a bunch of young guys that look like they could be everyday players. Like I I think you've seen good things from steer and I think he's proving to be darn near an everyday big leaguer. Um, I think you've seen good things from McLean to believe that he can be an everyday big leaguer. But what if one of these guys kind of like hits a wall and, or, and doesn't really quite look like what you were hoping they, they would be. And now you just traded a, a proven above average big league bat for, for what, like, again, what are you getting for Jonathan India? Because teams out there, they have fan graphs like we do. <laughs> they They have much better than fan graphs and they can just do a quick little search and see Jonathan India. Home road splits and see that Jonathan India away from Great American Ballpark is a 252 hitter with an 81 WRC plus. At Great American Ballpark, he's a 330 433, 546 hitter. Like, is, is a team going to give up that much for a guy that is significantly worse away from one of the most hitter friendly ballparks in the league and with defensive limitations? Maybe the Rockies would. I don't know. Maybe some dumb team would. You can listen. But realistically, I think the Reds are better off keeping him and focusing on trying to be good in the next couple of years. You mentioned Joey Votto. That money's cleared off the books. Uh, they're clearing off several other guys. They also did clear off some other guys in trades in the past. I, I, I really feel like that might not be the best move for them. I would almost trade Tyler Stevenson before that. And I think Stevenson. Could pick up, I think people would be surprised. I think even though Stevenson has struggled, I think the return wouldn't be that far off. I think Stevenson's more expendable than a John India for them.
1: I could see what you're saying there in terms of a bigger deal, but I think in terms of just using the word expendable, it has to be Jonathan India because, like, who else are they going to put at catcher? But in terms of who's going to get you the biggest return and maybe the best move for the Reds instead of trading India, would be through that. But I think we could both agree if we use the word expendable, like they have so many, like Christian and and strands coming up too. Where do you put him then? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel I like it. in that case, India is more expendable. But I almost feel like don't trade any of them. Like, why trade any of them? I don't think they need to because you mentioned the outfield. Like, TJ Friedel, Jake Fraley, like, these guys are fun players and they're definitely can be difference makers in spots. But then when you fill the outfield with a Jonathan India, right? Like, you move one of those guys out there and maybe Steer then goes out there. Then you look from top to bottom, like, where's the hole in this Reds lineup? Like, they're a very exciting team. And then, of course, Andrew Abbott might come up later this year to add to those three horsemen with Lodolo, Ashcraft, and Green. This is a really exciting team, Arm. Really exciting. Uh, Even this year. This year, it's exciting.
0: They're like the next one, you know, we pick every year. Like, oh, this is the team that's going to exceed expectations and be fun. If the Reds make a couple decent moves in free agency, I think they'll be that team next year. Um, The one thing with Stevenson is I think it's really weird. Like, the Reds kind of hate him as a catcher. (laughs) And, and I think he's been pretty rough. We'd have to talk to our resident Reds guy, Clay Snowden, about that. 25 games a catcher, 23 games at DH, six at first, which is weird. Um, I, I If the offer is there for John India then that you can't refuse, then sure. Like if you can somehow get a big league arm for him, sure. But if, if you're going to get another Edwin Arroyo, you know, or another, you know, another low level prospect, like that's that doesn't fit the timeline for me with this, right? Cause you just listed all the, all the, t- the players that are coming up. There's more on the way. Um, and, and I just don't, I don't totally see it. I'm really interested to see what they do. And the last thing I'll say is you mentioned the outfield. Fraley can't really hit lefties. Friedel can't hit lefties. You can do some mixing and matching here. You have a lot of versatility. You have a lot of guys that you can move around let that be a problem where you got to try to find that bats for guys come the start of the season next year where it's like, okay, you know, we might have to, you know, lefties on the mound. Now, you know, we have our our left, our right-handed heavy lineup where that's where you stack the, the Indias of the world with, with steer and everybody else. And maybe there's some days against lefty or against righties where one of those guys takes a seat, you know, and maybe that's how they approach it. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see, but I do feel like, the Reds should be in a spot here where they go in with that being a problem before they just trade off and hope that Christian Encarnacion strand hits at the big league level. Hope that Ellie Doa Cruz hits the ground running. Hope that these guys that they call up are going to be as good as John India for the next year. Um, so let's see what Nick crawl does. Uh, this is going to be a very definitive year in terms of showing us what the Reds timeline is because if they trade India for some lower level guys. I'm gonna say, ooh, maybe they're not as serious for next year. Maybe they're looking a couple years from now.
1: I think they're looking for this year. I excuse me. Um, I think they're looking for this year. And it brings us into our next question, but just to wrap up on the Tyler Stevenson point, the Reds have this weird fascination with Kirk Casale, right? They just like play him all the time. Like, I mean he's got a 416 OPS, but he's a good pitch framer. They, I think they love his defense back there and deservedly so. He is a good defensive catcher and he's probably very helpful for those young starting pitchers and I don't think Stevenson's that great of a defender back there. I mean, so know. I think they kind of hedge that where they're like, we need Stevenson's bat in the lineup, but they probably see the metrics between Casale and Stevenson. They're like, Casale gives us a better chance to win behind the plate, but we need Stevenson's bat. But then like Casale just gets out every single yeah. AB, but yeah. whatever. He's a catcher, so you know, the offense is just an added bonus, but this brings us into our next question. People might be surprised by some of our answers, but the next question is if you had a hundred dollars to bet on three teams to win their division who are currently no higher than third place in their division, who would those three teams be and how would you distribute the money? So arm, we have a budget of a hundred dollars. We look at the six divisions and we have the bet MGM lines open in front of us, and our job is to distribute that $100 on teams that are worth the value of winning the division, right? Because I think a perfect example is the National League Central, where we were speaking right now. So right now, the Cardinals are in last, but their odds are plus 170. So basically, the teams that we are able to choose from are what's the NL central right now? I had to pull it pulled up. So the Brewers are in first and the pirates are in second. So we can't choose from those. The Reds are in third. The Cubs are in fourth and the Cardinals are in fifth. And for this exercise, I'm going to make a pick in this division. And honestly, based on the value I'm thinking about actually making it. The Cincinnati Reds to win the national league central are plus 4,000. Oh my God. Exactly. That is an implied probability of 2.4%. You look at the rest of the division, right? The trap line of the Cardinals, the brewers have not taken advantage of this division. The Cubs outside of a Marcus Stroman, unbelievable performance against the Rays have not started to string together wins. And I doubt that they're going to be very active at the deadline. Yeah. And then you have the Pirates who are kind of in the same boat, but for this exercise, we can't put them in. And the Pirates are plus 1,100 compared to the Reds at plus 4,000. Someone's got to win this division, Aram. No, I, I don't think so. I think nobody wins I, the division. Weirdly enough, I kind of agree with you at some <laughs> points, but I think about it like this. Ellie De La Cruz is going to come up. Matt McLean is be is just being excellent. Jonathan India is still that guy. Spencer Steer is taking the next step. Stevenson behind the plate. We talk about the outfield. Nick Lodolo has been hurt now. Ashcraft has been terrible, but he's hey, going to get better. I still
0: believe in him. Yeah,
1: I still believe in him too. Hunter Green has turned together some outings where you're like, holy shit, is he the best pitcher on planet Earth? Then some outings where you're like, yeah, you could probably spend some time in the minor leagues. Like it's 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 very you know hit or miss. But then I look at the bullpen, and the bullpen. Has been an above-average bullpen. Sometimes it's getting in the top ten range. They have an elite closer in Alexis Diaz. They have guys like Buck Farmer. You can continue to go through their bullpen, and it's like you laugh, you're smiling. No, and it's just, I the, get just it. the name Buck Farmer is always name funny. Buck Farmer. But like these guys are performing at a high level. I, I look at the value based on the rest of the division. Like the Reds have a better record than the Cardinals do. The Cardinals are plus one seventy, so hundred dollars would net you one hundred and seventy. If you put $100 on the Reds, you net $4,000. Like that value is just way off. Nobody's looking at the Reds. That's going to be my first team in this exercise. And I'm starting to talk myself into it like, no, this is not a unit bet, but 0.1 units, 0.2, like a so this would be
0: So of your $100, this would be like, let's say we have the $100 to use here. This would be like 10 of it. It might be more considering the exercise. So serious, this is the, to me. And and again, I, I'm not knocking it. I think value wise, it is actually a good pick. This is the only way I can play in my head of this somehow working. And this is, I think, greater than a 2% possibility. La DeLaCruz has to come up and instantly become one of the more impactful players in baseball, which he could, that's very possible. I think that's very possible. This guy's (laughs) already broken stack, has records um, and has game changing speed. And you're putting that freak Dude, this guy hits home runs to the opposite field where he thinks he popped out, and it goes 430 feet. Imagine he, he that motherfucker in himself. Great America. Imagine that motherfucker in Great American Ballpark. That guy's gonna—he's like gonna hit one off of his literal fist, break a finger, and it's gonna go over the wall. Like that's
1: how powerful he is. He might lead ballpark. the league. He might lead the league in broken bat homers. I know you that's love right. a good broken. Bat I home. love
0: broken bat homers. Those are those are lit. Um, so that—that's the one thing you're looking at a team that he could come up and struggle. That's very possible too. I know, you know that too, but there's a world where he comes up and they just added an all-star. So like, okay, there you go. You just had an all-star Andrew Abbott. I think he would come up and give you a low fours, maybe mid fours. That's way better than whatever they're getting from their four and five right now in terms of
1: ERA. I don't know. Don't sleep on Ben Lively. Ben Lively has been great. What is he like 18 Ks, (laughs) three walks? Yeah. Um, Two five ERA. Yeah. But like
0: realistically that's better than what they're getting from one of the five slots. Um, and then you talked about the bullpen and Alexis Diaz, like he's not going anywhere. And Christian Encarnacion strand might get called up and give them a, a jolt. And then they've, they've had a lineup that's been raking lately. I think they had like 40 something hits over the weekend. Um, it's, it's possible. I think you really need the rest of the division to continue to suck. And by all indications, the rest of the division might continue to suck. We t- we called the Brewers contenders cause we had to, but like they they're the most unserious serious team i think in baseball i couldn't year. agree more i hate
1: watching them and they can't hit a lefty to save their life like every time they face a lefty it's just an auto loss and they got to win most of those games against righties and they don't and like their offense only performs at home so i look at this team i'm like well corbin burns has not looked like that same guy freddie perlts is still a stud but brandon woodruff is still on the shelf like i just look at their offense and i'm like yeah i like some of the rookies and i think they'll be good long term but like when I look at them or team today, Willie Adamas just went on the aisle for that concussion. And what a horrible moment. I mean, just gets hit with that line drive when he's so sitting scared. in the dugout on a foul ball, terrifying, hopefully he's okay. But I look at the rest of the lineup, like they just DFA Luke void, who was hitting like fifth for them for a while. I don't believe in them. I don't believe in the Cubs. I, I, I think the pirates like would be in the same conversation with the reds. Like, I don't want to do be disrespectful to the pirates, but they don't have this young influx. Like what they're doing is relying on a lot of older veterans right now. Like, let's see how they do in August. The rookies, like they could hit that rookie wall, but they're at least going to have that energy. right? And then I look at the Cardinals and it's like, yes, the Cardinals should be in this discussion. They'll probably win the division because they're the Cardinals, but they have real issues. And the value value isn't even close to what it is for the Reds. So I know it's probably sounds crazy listening to it, but I hope I put it in better perspective. If well, when I look at the Cardinals where it's like, all right, implied probability that's like 47% reds are 2% reds yeah. have a better record than them. Like it's not that crazy to think that there are not that many holes on the reds where in previous years it'd be like, Oh my God, from five to nine, it can't hit not this time around.
0: The one thing is the pirates would get O'Neill, but like yeah, I don't think he, he's no think- L.E. De La Cruz. I don't think so. No. I don't. Just isn't. So that's that's our pick there. I'm. So you're rolling with it. You like? I'm rolling with it to, to like a, years, a certain no. point. Ten dollars.
1: Twenty. $10. Twenty. Oh, okay. We 20. have to spend
0: a hundred bucks. All right. Twenty on them. Yes. They can't all be right. in the top three only because I love the Reds prospects. You're lucky you picked the uh, the team with all the prospects I love. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm I'm gonna go on this sinking boat with you.
1: Go Reds. Um, it might okay. be a donation, but screw it. It's worth the value. And then one. if it hits, we're goaded. We're goaded. If to, it doesn't like, hit, just, nobody will rubber.
0: We'll just pretend it never happened. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. What, it has to be third place or below. I'm going to give you a couple of teams. I want you to give me the odds. Okay. What are the Guardians odds looking like these days?
1: Plus 375. That's Like it's bad still bad. there. I, that's they, That was going to be one of my picks too. Yeah,
0: I figured it would be. So we, what, what are the Mets odds look like in the NL East?
1: I mean, the Mets ain't fucking winning this division over the Blues. What are the odds? Plus six fifty.
0: Woo! Okay, and I got one more for you. Makes me want to throw up. But what are the San Diego Padres odds?
1: Yeah, the Padres odds are plus nine hundred. Okay. Ah, but the Dodgers are thirty three and twenty two. Yeah, like they ain't losing that division. Like that's the problem. I looked at these teams too, and it was like, yes, there's value there. But I cannot imagine the Braves losing. Like, what are they going to go on a cold streak? Do we when? have to sprinkle a 20? They did the lose Cardinals. against the A's, though. So Sprinkled maybe
0: 20 on the Cardinals as well. I'm, uh,
1: I think we should look, even though I don't, I think we should look at the American League East. I uh, said so the Yankees. I,
0: you weren't going to say it. I'll say it. Yeah. I look, I, I love the Rays. And again, we're looking at value here. Walker brought up an excellent point. And and he also wanted to make it very clear on the podcast that he was not invalidating what the Rays are doing. And he thinks that it's very incredible what they're doing. And usually every year when teams are going nuts, they have guys that are overperforming their career numbers, but almost every single guy in their lineup is overperforming his career OPS by about 200 points. That doesn't mean that the Rays aren't really good. It doesn't mean that the Rays can't win the world series. It doesn't mean that the Rays aren't one of the best teams, if not the best team in baseball, but it does mean that they may not sustain 39 and 17. And if we know anything about the Yankees, when they get hot, man, they get fucking hot. We saw it last year. They were on pace to to be the best team in the world. And then they weren't, but they're doing this right now. Banged up, you know, very banged up Rodon, It's touch and feel. We'll see when he comes back. Severino finally back. Looked fantastic. Judge is locked in. Let's hope Bader's not out because he's looked fantastic since he's come back. I think he's, he's been a huge X factor. We're just talking about it off the air. Like he's been a huge X factor and kind of them hitting this next gear since mm-hmm. he's uh you know since he's come back, and I feel like they've trimmed some of the fat that we were looking at in the lineup when you and I went to the games. We're like, why do we even come to this game? Why am I watching Willie Calhoun and Franchi Cordero and whatever? Like they've trimmed a lot of that fat. They're only going to get stronger, and the Rays. Like I, I don't know if that's the case. Like they, the glass now is kind of that ace in the hole. But other than that, like, are they going to get that much stronger anywhere else? Maybe if they make a move or two, what's the value of the Yankees?
1: Plus 525.
0: Yeah, I like that one.
1: I like that one. So what I was going to bring you was the Reds for 20 bucks and then 40, both on the Guardians at plus 375 and the Yankees at plus 525. Yeah. So when I look at the Guardians, I look at a team that has been without Tristan McKenzie now for a while, and their offense just has been putrid. But I look at their team and I say, all right, at this point, how can you not buy Tanner Bibe? How can you not buy Logan Allen after seven shutouts?
0: Phenomenal.
1: Phenomenal. So those two, then you have Bieber, then you have Quantrill, then you have McKenzie. And Gavin Williams is going to come up soon. Who looks like right
0: now, if if you graduate, you know, the guys that have debuted of prospects who have not debuted. It's hard to say that there's anybody better than Gavin Williams right now, pitching prospects wise.
1: And I know this sounds crazy and I don't know if it's going to happen, but I want to just put it out there in case it does being like, well, Peter called it. But I'm not. I'm kind of a pussyfooting this prediction. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'm pussyfooting it. But I do have a feeling that Shane Bieber is going to get traded. And the reason being is not because the guardians are selling. They need real offense. They need real offense. That'd and what the guardians so do bad. best is that they turn pitchability guys into studs at the major league level. That's what they did with Bybee. It's what they're doing with Allen. They did that with McKenzie. They did that with Quantrill and Bieber has been around for a long time now. And Bieber's stuff has been on the decline now for a couple of years. He's still, I think he might have the best command in the sport. I It's rare that you'll ever see him miss the catcher's glove. So a contender is going to look at him and be like, yeah, his stuff's falling down a little bit, but he's still that guy. Like a contender who really needs an ace or at least a high-end number two is going to pay top dollar for a guy like Shane Bieber. The Guardians reload with all those prospects, They move off of Mike Zunino and Cam Gallagher, who are about as good as you and I are at the plate right now. Move in Bo Naylor. The offense starts to get rolling again. The pitching just keeps being incredible. They trade Shane Bieber for a couple of offensive pieces. Maybe ready now, guys. Maybe minor leaguers. I don't know. But they can trade Shane Bieber and still really compete this year. I think the Guardians, while it's been slow... It's not like the twins have taken a stranglehold this division and ran off. The White Sox certainly have it. And the Royals and Tigers, I just can't buy it. So I look at the Guardians and I say, I think they have a 50-50 shot right now. So plus 375. The reason I'm not betting plus 375 is I already have them as a feature. Yeah. I already yeah. bet them earlier in the season. So I'm not like doubling down on it. I'm just keeping my ticket. But I still think there's a window. And I still think that they can trade Shane Bieber in order to get big time offensive pieces. Kind of similar to Pablo Lopez for Luis Rise, what the Twins did, but... If Pablo Lopez netted you Luis Arias, what could Shane Bieber net the Cleveland Guardians? Yeah. I mean that's
0: that's the really interesting thing. I th- I'm going to be fascinated to see how they approach this this deadline for that exact reason cuz he could be expendable this might be the peak of his value but also you're trying to win now and like can you take one step backward and forward at the same time or maybe two forward by trading Shane like that would be a really interesting approach. Uh, So I'm excited to see how they handle that, but to finish the exercise. So we're going to go 40
1: on 40 on the guardians and 40 on the Yankees. Let's just wrap up on why we think the Yankees still, because you mentioned the rays and you kind of just wrapped it up too, but Aaron judge is doing his thing again.
0: Yeah. he, He might just like hit 63 this year.
1: He might Harrison Bader. Of course he gets injured in his last game, but I thought that win against the Mariners was so impressive. You're flying across the country without an off day. You go into Seattle facing Bryce Miller, who has been unhittable in his first couple of starts for the Mariners, and they put up a 10 spot. It wasn't all on Bryce Miller, but they put up a damn 10 spot. When this team rolls, they are tough to beat. They're going to get Carlos Rodon back, and you know they'll be active at the deadline. You know that Anthony Volpe is only going to improve. He's not gonna get worse, right? Even if he stays the same, right? I think DJ is going to be better. Like has still been solid. Rizzo has been, a has been a monster. You can see it with the Yankees where it's like, all right, this is a really tough start to the season, but they should start to roll here. And it's already happening. They have been one of, if not the best overall team in the month of May. Yeah. After a really sour April where I was just like, all right, this is just such shit. I mean, what yeah. am I watching here? Turned it around. And you got to give them credit, and they're not that far off yet. I think the Blue Jays have some value too, but I have real concerns about the Blue Jays. I think the Orioles have some good value, but I almost feel like you're buying them at the peak of their powers. They could just continue, and I do believe in the Orioles. I think they most likely will be a playoff team. But I think the Yankees have the best value currently because I do think that they are the second, if not still the best team in the American League East when it's all said and done. I think the Guardians and the Twins, it's going to be a dogfight until the end. I think the Reds are the long shot. I think these are, this is good. I'm in. You sold me. I'm in. All right. Talk about being in. A lot of you have joined our So Rare Fantasy Baseball League, yeah. and we've had tons of members come in. We're starting to roll. It's been an absolute blast. We got some people at the top of the leaderboard. We're still playing fantasy baseball on So Rare. Remember, the link is in the episode description. Download for free. Arm, give the people an update on how our league's going.
0: Yeah. So you can draft your team for free. And if you missed this past competition, we got another one coming up. Uh, I think it's in the next couple of days. I see some people are kind of split between, and I'm able to track it both. So it's fine between like the common all-star and and the minors competition. I I would try to all go in the minors competition to to keep it easier, but in first place right now, and and remember you'll win JB merch uh, for coming in first along with potentially other prizes. And if you enter the limited competition, which you have to have limited cards for, um, You can win an MLB TV subscription from so rare, but Dustin underscore bars at B-A-R-R-S is in first place right now. They still got two more days left. It would be one more. I think after this episode is out in this competition, bold strategy of drafting Aaron judge has paid off. He has 48 points already.
1: Daniel bars. So is he a Daniel Bard and a music fan? Maybe. Or is he just Daniel and he spits bars or it's Dustin bars. Dustin is Dustin, Dustin just spits bars. bars? Just spits bar- I don't know. Maybe that's his last name. I wish it was a uh, Daniel Bard kind of joke, but it doesn't work because it's Dustin. Damn it. Dustin, Sonny gray,
0: Ryan Presley, Matt Olson, Taylor walls has given him zero and he's still in first. Jordan Alvarez has given him four and he's still in first and he's sitting on George Kirby who has not pitched yet. So, mm. It, Dustin Bars looks like he could hold on to the lead, but guess what? Our same guy who was right around the top last week, even though it didn't fully count as the competition, it was like our week zero, pinstriped gator, right checking in right in the top three again, which is nuts. Pinstriped gator, whoever you are out there, you're you're a machine. He's got Aaron Judge, 48. What's interesting is this little like loophole that Anthony Discofani counts as a reliever. But he's been making – has he been mostly relieving now? Has he been mostly coming out of the pen?
1: No, no. He's he's a five-inning, six-inning guy for the Giants. He's been kind of weirdly good. I mean, yeah, his so peripherals he, say he should retire, but, like, he's for, got a 3-5 ERA.
0: For some reason, I think he counted as a reliever here. And so he found a loophole, plugged Disco in there, got 21 good. from Disco. What a genius over here. Genius. And he still got Framber to make a start. So those are two of the top – dogs right now in our competition again winner will get jb merch we're about to drop some new stuff so excited to send that out to y'all and then uh some other stuff that you might be able to win from so rare as well also just join the league to compete against us and you know see see how you do in relation to us right now you guys are killing us so uh we'll see how it goes but yeah reminder that the link is in the podcast description it's a ton of fun and and be sure to send me your, your teams that you're drafting. I, I always have a blast when you guys all do that. And again, I think you'll really enjoy playing so rare MLB.
1: Let's move on to our fourth question. What are some of your biggest? I was right about that player moments. I'm sure Aram's is George Kirby <laughs> asked by just underscore lions. Who is your best? I was right. Player moments arm. Mm. Now we just get to pat ourselves on the back, our favorite thing to do, because we've been wrong plenty of times. That's yes. what happens when you that do That wasn't us?
0: the question.
1: That wasn't the question. But, now it's just, where were we right?
0: So so for, it's got to be like more pro, or big leaguer related than prospect related, right? Because I would say Ellie De La Cruz. Up to
1: you. The, just the whatever first not, name comes to your mind where you're like, I fucking nailed that. Jack,
0: <laughs> Jack tells me it's Ellie De La Cruz. Because like Elie De La Cruz, I first brought him up on the podcast on the call up, like when he wasn't even in the reds top 10 and I just, I saw a freak in the making. And that was one that I still, he exceeded every expectation I humanly had for him. I'd say Vinny Pascantino as well. Like nobody yep. was paying attention to that dude. And um, that was one that I think is, is translated pretty well. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that, that it's tough because a lot of the guys that I've like really focused in on are still early in their big league career. Cause I've covered them as prospects. So it's like interesting, but I would say Ellie, even though he hasn't debuted yet, Vinny Pascantino um, and then come back to me, there might be one or two others that hey, I, 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 can think of pretty soon.
1: Well, George, George Kirby, Kirby, George
0: Kirby, obviously. Yeah. I've George Kirby, I think was one of the first, first guys I ever talked about when it was back on like locked on MLB prospects when I was hosting that podcast. Um, singing the praises for him. So yeah, Kirby's got to be, and I know that's like one of the Alex that's Alex from just underscore lions. He's listened back since the locked on MLB prospect days. I think that's how I earned his listen was talking about George Kirby before, like before George Kirby was, He was a first round pick, but I think before he was really considered like a potential frontline guy
1: or even really a top 100 prospect. Absolutely. I think that was all bangers there. I think mine, might have been this year or before the season started. Remember when I pitched the Mariners, I was like, this is the team where I think can win the World Series. The value was there for me because it wasn't lining up with a lot of other contenders and it was really on the fact of I love the starting pitching. I think the offense is very good, but Jared Kelnick is the X Factor and I talked about that mental change that he made and how important it was for him because I knew that in the past, he let the game, like the game got a little bit too fast for him. And then I saw his interviews and he was like, I won that pitch. I won every pitch today. And that just clicked for me. I'm like, if he found that, we all knew the talent. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is going to be a huge year for Jared Kelnick. And he's going to be the X factor that propels them into the playoff and then eventually into the World Series. So I was right about that. Was right about Jared Kelnick, but at the same time, the Mariners, the rest of their offense has not. You didn't come have Teoscar
0: Hernandez having an ADWRC plus or whatever the. Fuck. I did not, and Julio Rodriguez say-
1: is struggling. Ty France not being that guy like he was last year. Like I didn't have that, but in terms of a player, I put a lot of eggs on Jared Kelnick. Will be the ultimate X factor in Major League Baseball, and he has been one of the best overall hitters in the sport.
0: Yeah, I will say like that. That guy became such an impossible read, and also one that like. I don't think anybody really wanted to attach their name to. So I appreciated your willingness to do that because nothing that you're going to dive into in the numbers, none of it really made sense. Like, yeah, everything looked pretty good, but he would just not perform. Um, And to that point, it seemed like a mental thing. You listen to interviews, which is crazy. And, And like, sometimes it's that, like, it's that gut feeling you get from a guy's demeanor from a guy, what a guy's saying. It's not in the numbers. It's just like, I sense a different you know, a different energy from this dude. And and you bought into that and shit, man. I mean, he has been unbelievable,
1: unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Two more guys that I'm not taking a victory lap on, but I thought I'd mention it. How long have I said that Boba shed has a special bat? I mean, I have just been screaming that for like years since I think episode one of project the plate. I was like, Boba going to have 3,000 hits. Boba is going to hit 330. Boba Shet, he has might have 3,000. Special, special bat to ball skills. And then it also translates into power because he's so quick. So right now he's hitting 340, which so that makes me look good. But again, that's why I'm just taking a victory lap because he's kind of been really good since he got called up. Like it's always been defensive problems, but he's always had a good stick. But I was like, there's way more in there than even the 280 batting average that he used to put. And then, of course, I mean, ever since Wander came up, like his first game, I was just like, yeah, he's going to be the best shortstop in baseball in like a week. And then he got hurt. And then I was like, all right, this is the year where he is the best shortstop in baseball, got hurt. And then I was like this year, I think he should be higher on our shortstop list. I'm telling you all he needs to do is stay healthy. And he's showing us why. So it's like, I'm not taking the victory lap on those two because they've always been really good and they've always been, but I was always just like, I'm pushing them even farther than the narrative surrounding them. And they've lived up to it this year so far, but it's May 31st. So that's why Kelnick is my answer. But I also wanted to pat my back, yeah. pat my own back on Bichette and Wanda. So
0: Bichette is on face now to lead the league in hits for the third straight year. That's that's absolutely nuts. Uh, and so he would finish this year, potentially, with for round numbers, let's say 650 hits before his... He's going to be 26 before he just turned 25. So, before his 26th birthday, he is a legit shot at 3,000 hits. Obviously, he's got a long way to go. But, like, if you got to pick candidates, like likelihood, he's up there. He's definitely up there.
1: We got another question. Um, question number five Who are the best breakout stars so far? So I have two hitters. I don't know if you have pitchers, but there have been a couple of guys, um, and I want to start with a St. Louis Cardinal because we got a lot of questions of just, Talk about Nolan Gorman. Yeah. And Nolan Gorman has to be in this discussion right now. Nolan Gorman has a higher WRC plus than Paul Goldschmidt. Nolan Gorman is number 10 in all of baseball. The top 10 is Aaron judge, Yandy Diaz, Jordan Alvarez, Randy Rosarina, Freddie Freeman, Sean Murphy, Ronald Acuna, Jr. Juan Soto, Bo Bichette, then Nolan Gorman. Like he has been unbelievable. And we've talked about him before, but Aram, this is another guy When you talk about other prospects like a Francisco Alvarez and you talk about the changes that they made and something that you were worried about long term, it's so cool to see Nolan Gorman legit do that, right? We were worried about the chase. We were worried about the plate discipline. We were worried about just the overall for his life, Exactly. And what does he do this year? Lowers the swing rate. Isn't whiffing. Is it chasing zone contact is up. The plate discipline is much better. And the bat to ball, the swing looks shorter than it was yeah. the problems that we had. And I spoke about this on Cardinals radio. And I was like, we were a little bit down on him because we knew that when he hit the ball, it was going to go a freaking mile, but just how often is he going to hit the ball with his plate discipline issues? And then what does he do this year? he fixes all of that or at least that's what he's done so far and we knew once he would do that he'd be great we were just can he do that yeah and not yeah. only did he do not only did he do that he did it so damn quick nolan gorman has been one of the best overall hitters in baseball this dude hits third on one of the best lineups in the sport yeah. he's been incredible so talking
0: to some folks cuz this was one where i was like yeah how did it change so quick Talking to some folks around the org that had, you know, spoken to people within the org and some evaluator scouts um that I had a chance to talk to on the backfields, because obviously the Cardinals and the Marlins share a complex there. So get to you know frat- and ra- frat- and ra- fraternize, geez, a little bit more <laughs> with, with some of the scouts of those teams and, and people that are around those teams. The one thing that I heard the most about Nolan Gorman, which I would you just wouldn't know, is how willing he is to adjust, adapt, and how hard he works and throughout the off season worked really hard with the Cardinals in the cage to make swing adjustments that would cater to, to those weaknesses. Like he was aware of the weaknesses instead of saying like, Oh, you know, like I'll, I'll work through it. I'm, I'm already, I'm still hitting bombs. I don't really care about it. It's like, okay, if this is what's going to help me be an elite big league hitter, I'm going to make those changes. So those are the things that it's like, sometimes you can highlight the issues and say the majority of players don't make the adjustments that you need to make. And, and you got to highlight the risk, but then, you get the Nolan Gorman's. For, for every Nolan Gorman, there's nine guys who don't make the adjustment and end up fizzling out. And that's why it's really impressive that Nolan Gorman's been able to make those adjustments and and still not have that sacrifice of strength, which is plus plus power to, to all fields. So, I mean, it has been really cool to see Gorman make those adjustments. He talked about the swing, it's shorter, his he's smoother, it's more direct, and the approach is better. He's making better decisions. I mean, he has to be one of the biggest breakout guys, and it's amazing because they suck in that the Cardinals that is. And if if the Cardinals were performing to the caliber of last year and had this Nolan Gorman, they'd be the best offense in baseball. I, and I don't know where they'd be without Nolan Gorman right now. He's been pretty much their best hitter, not named Paul Goldschmidt, which is absolutely
1: insane. Absolutely insane. So my next guy who I want to bring to the table is a guy that nobody's turning on the TV to watch. But when we talk about how Nolan Gorman is 10th in WRC Plus and Paul Goldschmidt is 11, there's a rookie who leads all American League rookies in war. And he's 12th in WRC Plus. And his name is Ryan Noda of the Oakland A. Ryan Noda has been a fucking beast, dude. 19% walk rate. 47.5% hard hit rate. Ryan Noda of the Oakland A's as a 27-year-old rookie is slashing 241, not ideal, but a 400 on base percentage, with a 4.67 slug, and he's even got a couple of steals. This guy just hits the piss out of the ball. 93rd percentile max exit velocity because he's hit a ball 114 miles an hour. Max average exit velocity is in the 90th percentile because he's averaging 92.4 miles an hour off the bat. He walks a ton, he doesn't chase outside the zone. There's definitely some whiff. Within oh, there's the a zone. lot of whiff, but there's a yeah. lot of whiff within the zone. 33.1% K rate. But in terms of chasing pitches outside of the zone, he is in the 95th percentile and he's even an average runner too. like Ryan Noda at first base is not, you know, breaking the glass ceiling. It's not a guy who you can like, necessarily dream on because of so course rule he is five draft pick
0: it was a rule, he's a
1: rule five, five dra- draft pick rule five draft pick who is 12th in major league baseball in wrc plus like he's above pete alonso he's above louisa rise he's above mike trout he's above anthony rizzo he's above matt olson he's above wander franco he's above matt chapman he's been amazing yeah
0: it's it's actually and he, and he's putting up off and WRC plus is obviously uh, you know park adjusted but to, to have an eight sixty seven OPS in the Coliseum you know like yeah, amazing yeah. That's really remarkable and a guy that again another got to be a cerebral hitter obviously comes from the Dodgers organization Dodgers just didn't have a spot for him on the forty man I, I'm sure they weren't thrilled to leave him exposed but they had guys that you know were you know, a little bit more valuable defensively and maybe didn't have as many whiff issues but. This is a guy that says, okay, hey, I, I whiff a lot in the zone. How can I hedge that? I don't miss mistakes, which he doesn't. He pummels mistakes, and I don't give them any free strikes out of the zone. So if you only make 70% contact in the zone, that's fine. I never chase, and I crush the balls that are left over in the middle. You can make a living off of that. Ryan is doing that. That's called a mistake hitter, and you can be a really good mistake hitter with an elite approach. 16% chase rate, that's elite. I mean, that's absolutely elite. And then when he hit the ball as hard as you is, as he hits it, like you said, and he hit the ball in the air, 37.5% ground ball rate. This guy has the recipe. I don't know if we'll always have a 400 on base, but I think the on base will always be high. He will always hit home runs. And I think that's going to be something that keeps him in the big leagues. So rule five draft pick here by the, by the A's, they had nothing to lose and it was a great pickup to give him a shot. And it's awesome to see there's nothing better than a rule five hitter panning out. You know, we see pitchers pan out all the time. There's just so many arms and you can throw them into the bullpen and whatever. Like, it's really cool to see an everyday hitter selected in the rule five come in and just mash. Like, you just don't see that very often. It's pretty awesome.
1: Could he be the next Max Muncy? Potentially. So a player like that, like, I don't know if he'll be that level. Like Max Muncy is a 35 to 40 home run guy.
0: Similar cloth.
1: Yeah. Like a, like a poor man's Max Muncy. Yeah. That'd be elite. Yeah, he's got poor man's Max Muncy. It's kind of sick. It's the best hitter on the ace. <laughs> All right, yeah. go ahead. Who's your uh, breakout star so far?
0: Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be Tyro Estrada, and I know he's mm. on the IL right now, which stinks. Um, and even if he stopped right now, basically, I know he was good last year, like two seven f four, but in forty seven games this year, he's already picked up two wins. Ninety two percent zone contact is what really stands out to me. This guy does not. Swing and miss, but he also hits the ball hard like way harder than you'd expect. 103 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity. Again, that's something I'm always looking at with prospects for a ballpark. One oh one point five is roughly average. So if you're making that much contact and hitting the ball a notch above average, you're a really good hitter. That's what Tyro Estrada is. It's a really good hitter. And then you'll get last year. I think a big issue with the in the F war department was his defense. And this year he's kind of roamed all over. Is he a great defensive shortstop? No, he, but he can hold his own there. He's a great defensive second baseman this year. He was a night negative 12 DRS guy last year at second. He's a five DRS this year at second base, negative four DRS at shortstop. So he's better at shortstop this year than he was at second last year. Obviously he worked on the glove. He's played a little bit of outfield too. So he has that versatility. He's giving them a little bit of everything. And, and I think that's, Pretty dynamic. If you think about it, he's 13 for 16 on stolen bases. He has the six home runs. It's pretty hard to to debate you know, or refute what Tyro Estrada is doing. It seems like he's like that next Giants breakout guy. And to me, he's got to be the number one exceeded my expectations guy going into this year because it's just hard to say anything negative about what he's been doing in the early going of this year.
1: Do you have anybody on the mound who you were looking at? Ooh, the mound. Do you the mound, mound is tough because, like, obviously I want to say Yenny or Cano. Yeah, like the Mitch Baltimore Keller, Orioles. I guess. Yeah, Mitch Keller, like, has to be that kind of guy because Mitch Keller is has a 3.01 ERA. All of his peripherals look amazing. He's striking out the world. He's 6-1 and one for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's one of the league leaders in pitching war. He's number 12 in pitching war. He's not walking anybody. The stuff looks amazing. It has to be Mitch Keller. It's it's almost like Mitch Keller on the Pirates is like, all right, that's our win. Like, you're going to win other games, obviously, because you're a baseball team and you're going to. But it's like, it's almost a given that, all right, Mitch Keller's on the mound for the Pirates. Yeah. They can beat anybody in Major League Baseball. So that was one. Yenny or Cano, of course. Of it's course. just, I always think relievers like, is like, there's always relievers, relievers and breakout stars. It's like, shit. Like, yes, his stuff looks amazing. And I believe in him long term. I'm not saying that I don't, but I've seen crazier. Like I've seen crazier where it's like relievers have this great start then fall. I just, I need to see yeah. way more from does, a reliever.
0: Does Justin Steele fit the mold? Because he had a 3-1-8 last year. So yeah, I, like I he's
1: been really good now. He doesn't really good. count. I think Mitch Keller should be the answer. And then if you're going to pick a reliever, it has to be in your canal.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's right. And then you can you, the problem. Like I'd like to say Bryce Elder, but I don't know if I believe it still.
1: 4.46 expected ERA. I know, 2. I, 0. I, I just, but of I, course, I, it's like because it takes into account a hard hit rate, like they're just hitting the ball on the ground super, super hard, and it's turning into double plays.
0: Yeah. So I would say like I'm I'm sold on Bryce Elder being a, a, a legitimate starting pitcher. I just don't know if he's breakout candidate, like to the degree of Mitch Keller, who we think could be a frontline guy. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. It's got to be Keller, Cano, and then the position players
1: we mentioned. Our last question. The weekly episodes with Walker Bueller breaking down pitchers provide the inspiration for this one. While it's easy to go online and find the best pitches in terms of run value that doesn't always pass what Peter calls the seeing eye test. Can each of you build your current dream pitcher that has a five pitch mix using pitches from different pitchers across the league asked by Z underscore Strau on IG. Basically let's create the ultimate pitcher by using five pitches. That's basically the question. And I want to start off and use Yoan Duran's four-seam fastball. It is, it's becoming just unfair for him to be in Major League Baseball at this point. Like Edwin Diaz always had this electric fastball and slider. I mean, Yoan Duran is 104 and a half miles an hour with a hundred mile an hour splinkers. Yeah. It's it's when he's healthy. Like there are a couple of times where, you know, he'll pitch a couple of days in a row and you can tell that the fire isn't there in his arm quite there where it's like, Oh, it's 101 and then 98. But like when he's had a couple of days off rest and he's throwing that, those pitches at that velocity, it's just unfair. The game's over. You have no chance because no hitter on planet earth has ever seen stuff like that.
0: No, ever. it's so just, I don't know how anyone touches it ever. To be honest, like you're cheating for a spot and you just hope it, it hits the bat. <laughs> like, I don't
1: think exactly. any other way. So, I'm going to go with Yohan Duran's forcing fastball to start it off.
0: Okay. From and just like, what, what, it, like, you could also go with Yohan Duran's splinker thing.
1: I know. What should we choose?
0: That's the changeup we pick, I guess, right? That's splinker.
1: But, like, I kind of want Devin Williams's changeup.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's way cooler.
1: Let's, I, let's for the go for the
0: exercise. Let's go. Let's, let's go, go. Devin Williams' changeup. I think that's the, that's my, that might be my favorite pitch in baseball, to be honest.
1: Devin Williams changeup. So we got Yoan Duran's fastball, we got Devin Williams's changeup. The curveball is interesting. And from an aesthetically pleasing, like you're not going to find this guy's curveball on Baseball Savant because it doesn't have enough time. Right? He's only been up for about a start. I will take Tyler Glasnow's curveball to the grave. Ooh, okay. Dude, I, it is just, it's it's so big and loopy, but it's still like 82. And no, but it's,
0: it's powerful enough. It looks like,
1: unhittable. Like, it yeah. just looks unhittable. So I'm going with Tyler Glasnow's curveball. What curveball would you choose?
0: Um you, you know that yeah. one? We're talking about like, you know, not not having it be data driven. Like I could always I could always go to Clayton Kershaw's curveball. Yeah. Um, But I'm looking at glass now on the data side glass. Now in 2021 opponents were six for 82, with 57 (laughs) strikeouts against this curveball. It's unbelievable. That's an 080 or 073, 073, 085 slash line with a 70 percent K rate.
1: I mean, come on. Yeah, that's not even that's, look at the data. It's just like it, it, yeah, that's, the that's, stats that's, meet the eye test. It's unbelievable. to Yeah, watch.
0: exactly. We picked that without the
1: without the stats.
0: Yeah. And then slider, you got to go to Grom, right? You have to. We just broke down sliders with, with Walker. Like it, it's just comical how ridiculous to Grom's slider is.
1: To add to our pitch mix, because I think we can keep going. I don't think we have to limit it to five. Give me Blake trying and sinker. I don't even care if he's healthy. Like when he comes back healthy. The reliever for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, that's the definition of the turbo sinker. Yeah. I mean it's ninety-seven with just the most insane He's amount also of horizontal in that, that, movement.
0: That boat that we always talk about of just like, how does anyone touch that shit?
1: Ever. I know he hasn't even pitched this year. Don't care. Give me his 70% sinker with a broken arm, even though he doesn't, of course, have a broken arm. He's out. What is he out with right now? He's got shoulder, a shoulder, shoulder shoulder. like, Oh no.
0: Yeah. It's, it's pretty rough. I I'm a little worried about him long-term, but like don't regardless, care.
1: give with, me a sinker.
0: He's still active. Give me his sinker.
1: <laughs> what else? What other pitches are you looking at that you'd want to add Oof. to this arsenal? It's a
0: great question. I mean, it's early, but I think you got to legitimately put some respect on Bryce Miller's fastball in that in that regard. Like, I really do think it's in that regard. Um, obviously, the you know the, you want like the Duran fastball, and I think that's just like a different beast. But I think you could give Bryce Miller's fastball. I think you can give Shohei Otani's sweeper some consideration, but Kevin Gossman's splitter.
1: Mm. I was about to say that. I was like, like I'm trying that, to decide like between that or Joe Devin Ryan. Williams's
0: changeup. Because like Kevin Gosman, we like can we, have both. We, we we see the best of Devin Williams because it's like a one inning spurt. But what would what would what would it look like if Kevin Gosman threw his splitter just in one inning spurts and in he wouldn't allow games, a run? Throwing it 40 times a game, you know. Never. Like I, I yeah. do wonder. So that would be one. And then of course the Strider fastball, like the Strider fastball still may just reign supreme. Like it's probably still better than Bryce Miller. It's probably better than everybody's.
1: I love Max Freed's curveball. That's another yeah, one. Yeah, that's I also the is.
0: most aesthetically pleasing.
1: And I think Joe Ryan's splitter should also be in this consideration. I know it's a new pitch, but opponents can't do shit with it, and it's and it's it passes the eye test. It drops off the freaking table. Yeah. Um. I think Garrett Cole's slider should be in there. I think his slider is unbelievable. Um. Who else is in this conversation? I mean, both Webb and Framber sinkers are unhittable. Um, who else got a lot Hunter of pitches. green's fastball, how Quantrill's fastball, how Quantrill's everything? Cal yeah, Quantrill's you know what? How Quantrill's, yeah, his. My, I want Quantrill's brain with all of these different pitches and be Into the, best pitcher, That's on the best pitcher
0: in the history of the world.
1: <laughs> and as we wrap up with the best pitcher in the history of the world, Cal Quantrill's brain with the rest of these pitches. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. We really hope that you guys enjoyed it. And the best way to support is to go get your just baseball merch in the episode description. Arms wearing the bucket. Or no, you're not wearing the bucket at the dad hat. Dad hat. Dad hat. Absolutely killer. Go check that out in the episode description. But of course, use code JBFANS. That's offer will end soon wager $10 on any MLB money line. Once that bet is settled, you will see between $100 to $200 in bonus bets in your account. Go get that free money while it lasts. It's on BetMGM and the link is in the episode description. If you don't want to spend a dime, no worries at all. If you could rate and review this podcast five stars, whether that be on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And then of course, if you're watching this on YouTube and you are enjoying, let us know in the comments what we got wrong, what we got right. Hit that subscribe button, hit the like button. And with that, thank you, everybody.